0: Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. This week's guest is Mattress Mick. Mattress Mick is one of Ireland's most recognizable businessmen. He's best known for his unique way of selling mattresses using social media and guerrilla marketing strategies. Mattress Mick has appeared on television, been tweeted about by Stephen Fry, and has an award-winning documentary, Mattress Men. His YouTube video, Back With A Bang, has over 180,000 views and counting. In this episode, some of the things we discuss are Mick's incredible story and background, his vision for the future, the failures he encountered, and the lessons he learned, along with many other topics. Show notes for this episode can be found on ChasingPassion.ie, that is ChasingPassion.ie. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Mattress Mick, uh, thank you so much for coming to the show. Really appreciate it. Well, I'm looking
1: forward to talking to you. Really, <laughs> I am, yes.
0: <laughs> Me too. So, you know, for the two people that actually don't know who you are, could you just explain to people who you are and what you do? Right. I'm uh, a middle-aged
1: man. <laughs> well, I don't like to consider myself middle-aged. Um, I sell mattresses. I sell them in a different way. I uh, created a character. My real name is Michael Flynn, but I created this character, Mattress Mick, so that I would get attention. I needed to get myself out there, and I thought this this would be a good way to do it. And Mattress Mick, I sell mattresses. My name is Mick, so there's a connection between the two names. Absolutely.
0: And what actually made you choose um, to sell mattresses in the first place? Well,
1: my... I've always been in the furniture business hmm. well, since I left my first job when I left school. And I was in the furniture business all my life and um I had one or two heat cups. I at one stage I had eight furniture stores selling everything from beds, tables and chairs, sofas, the whole hmm. lot. Um it, I enjoyed it, I loved it, I loved the interaction of people, but in twenty oh seven oh eight I was locked into very expensive leases in the Northside shopping centre I was in the Dun Mead shopping centre and some other independent stores now I just could not sustain it the recession happened um we found it very difficult, difficult to continue trading mm. so I reluctantly decided to liquidate my company now I should have done it a lot sooner than I did but it's like everything I was proud I kept believing that things were going to change, but in fact, they got worse. So I liquidated my company, but before I liquidated, I'm a fighter. I don't give up. I like to make sure that everything is correct. So I had a plan in place, and the plan was to sell mattresses and beds, simply because there was no independent or no dedicated mattress store in Dublin. At that time, they had them in the u k they had them in the north, but there was nobody here and I looked at what my previous business was doing, and the most products we were selling were beds and mattresses because everybody, as you know, goes home to bed and I said right here 's a chance i uh, to get going again. Beds take up a lot of space, so it didn 't take a lot of space, a lot of beds to fill my space. Hmm. I was left with two properties after my liquidation. I was left with one here in Pier Street which has been in my family since 1922. And I had a unit in the Malahide Road Industrial Estate in Coolock, which was outside my liquidation. It was part, it was in my own my own individual name. So what I did then was I approached my suppliers in the bedding industry. Now, some of them want, didn't want anything to do with me. That's fine. They're the losers now because the ones who did work with me are the mm. winners because we are a force now to be reckoned with insofar as our industry is is concerned. Like we're not the, uh, other stores are now kind of saying, oh, Mattress makes a problem. Where before I was saying like Harvey Norman's a problem, or bargain town is my competition. But now it's the other way around, I think. So um, the suppliers that I'm working with are mainly all Irish suppliers. I try to buy as much Irish product as possible and I promote that in all of my marketing. Like I buy Irish, keep jobs at home, and I love doing that. But anyway, we—I had very little money. I, in fact, I had no money because I'd put too much into my old company. So I, to create the brand that I wanted to create, I played around with it for a while. I said, "Well, I could do two, three things. I could get an actor to be Mattress Mick. I could get a cartoon to be Mattress Mick, or I could be me, Mattress Again. I was the cheapest option." And I have the long hair, I have the, the glass, and what well, I call it a funny face. And it kind of sticks in people's minds. And I have also got the personality to put myself out. So what we did was, myself, and I met a friend of mine, a guy called Paul Kelly, who's still with me, quite by accident, I met him in the yacht pub in Clontarf. I told him my story, he told me his story, and he was in a bit of a bother as well. So he was very good with social media. And I hadn't got a clue, like, In my generation, social media was not there. But he had his own little company called Shoot Audition. And what he did was he would do a a showreel for aspiring actors and actresses. And they would get the showreel, then submit it to a director or whatever. So he had knowledge of camera and he had knowledge of microphones and everything else. So we decided we'd do some quirky um, YouTube videos. Mm. And... We started off very amateurish. Now I rehearse nothing. I cannot read a script. I just can't do it. So we just did the first video in our store in Kulak and we put up on YouTube, and suddenly people began to pay attention. And we also put up a lot of signs around Dublin. Uh, I got these curry board signs made in different sizes, and no matter where there was an empty spot, I would put a sign up. Now I got myself into a lot of trouble. Uh, with the Dublin City Council (laughs) they weren't too pleased with me and they used to send me kind of nasty letters saying they were fining me 150 because it's litter and I took offence to this and I actually never paid one fine, not one I'd go to court and I'd stand in front of the judge and I'd argue my case and I always for some reason managed to get away with it, in fact two of the judges bought beds off me (laughs) I don't know whether it was out of sympathy or uh, what it was but Uh, It was a good journey getting to that point, and people began to notice the signs, and the whole idea was to sell mattresses. So as the signs were out there, as the videos became more popular, uh, we kept doing one a week. That was our plan, to do a video a week, and they're all different. Uh, People began to notice, and they would come to the store to buy mattresses or to see if I was a real person. I don't know which, but when they came to the shop, they generally bought. And so business picked up little bit of money came in, and I gave me a chance to then put some ads in the newspapers, which worked. But I got some very, very, very good breaks. Um, for example, Catherine Lynch, who used to uh, – she hosted a show called Wagon's Den mm. on RTE. She saw one of my signs and invited me to appear on her show carrying uh, an inflatable mattress onto the stage. Mm. It's actually up on YouTube, that particular event. Then I put a lovely big sign up and at the five lamps. Um, I put it up without permission. I just could not find who out who owned it, the site. So I just put it up, and within two days, your man found me. Mm. But he was in like a bull into the shop. Take your sign, and how dare you do this? I said, calm down. It turned out his name was also Flynn. So we became friends after that, and I was very fortunate. Stephen Fry, the famous English mm. entertainer, was in Dublin and saw the sign and he put a tweet out about me. And that was a big plus to my profile. There's so many people. And the radio stations rang me, Why, how does Stephen Fry know you? It, you know, are you going to give him, I offered to give him a free mattress. Hmm. <laughs> that was a bit of fun. <laughs> but it never happened. He never took it up. But the radio stations picked it up. So I got interviews with Ray Darcy, Derek Mooney. The, they were all very, very good to me. And RT are very good to me. Whether it's because of my charm, should I say, or my personality, I don't know. But they all seem to like me, and it helps. So I get a lot of free publicity, and this is what I call guerrilla marketing. Like the posters were guerrilla marketing, the uh, YouTube videos is guerrilla marketing, and then obviously the radio broadcasts are also free marketing. So I get a lot of stuff for nothing. Then we did. We decided we would do the a bigger more elaborate video and we call that Back With A Bang and this was my statement to say I'm back in business um, you've heard the song I'm sure mm, Absolutely. have you seen the video uh, have. <laughs> well it, it has I think up to nearly 200,000 views at the moment and that was a production we did over the weekend and I actually paid for that I uh, we had some help from film people from some sta- uh, some people in the video. So we I actually paid the cost of that. But it worked. It really did. I'm back I'm back with a bang and it's a great catchy tune. Oh it's very catchy. And I get people actually coming up to me even on the street, kids. Hey, he's back, there he is, you know, and it it means to me that it's worked. So that was a, a very good production. Um again the reaction to the public was very strong on that. But we were also very, very fortunate. Where we are at the moment talking to you now is, is Pier Street, right? Hmm. Two doors up, there was a film company come came into the, into the street, and they saw The Mattress, make, and they said, right, I wonder could we do a documentary on you? It's only going to take maybe a month to film. It'll be a 10-minute documentary. But it ended up three years because I was getting invitations to different things. I even got invitations to a funeral, to weddings, to babies, or baptisms, hmm. everything. People just wanted me there. And they filmed everything. They came around. They did the whole thing. And then there was also the relationship I had with Paul Kelly. That came into being. He had his issues. I had my issues. He let the cameras inside his house. I didn't, but into his home. And I think he was very, very brave to do that, to let the cameras see how he actually lives. So, But he did. And it worked. And the, that actual um, p- documentary got a NIFTA award in 2016 for the best documentary of 2016. And we were up against some f- very serious competition, mm. very serious on that particular issue. But when uh, Miriam O'Callaghan at the awards announced that we had won, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. But the premiere of that documentary was in, in Toronto at the Hot Docs Festival. So one of my marketing ploys was to have a, dry, a guy dressed up as a mattress. Uh, it's, you can actually see him in some of the, the videos. And we brought the mattress to Toronto. So we were walking around the streets of Toronto, this Irish gang mm. with a mattress. And it got again, it got great attention. And the documentary was, was very well received in Toronto. It didn't win an award, but it got, it got a good lot of positive accolades, which was the same thing. So uh, that was... To me, a kind of turning point, the documentary, the fact that it won. And a lot of good came out of that. Um, People contacted me, business grew, certainly grew. And um, I was very content, but not finished my journey. I had a lot more to do. I was getting there, things were happening. It was positive, there was no negativity in my life mm. at that time, in my business life. Um, what we did next was I got involved very actively with Apollo House. That was during the occupation of Apollo House two years ago. Uh, I was approached by Dean Scurry, who was organized it, and he asked me would I be in a position to supply some beds, which I did. We gave them in 40 beds, and we did that at the middle of the night, mm. and that was a fantastic journey. I met some beautiful people, some great people, and we're still all friends. People like Glenn Hansert, codeline the band. They were all involved. Hosier was there like well. Wow. Yeah, like it was j- but these were only normal people. Mm. Uh one of the greats of cinema, Jim Sheridan, became quite friendly with us all and mm. with me. And I you know his history, my left foot and all these films that he did produce. He was very actively involved, Christy Moore. And then there was the ordinary Mr. Mr. Ordinary, who had the, probably did all the groundwork, all the hard work in Apollo House. And I must say, the journey was excellent. It gave me a different sense of values. And I still work very closely, as much as I can, with the homeless situation. I think it's as atrocious as it's there. I think it's very sad that it's there, but it is there and has to be dealt with. But there's only so much I can do. You know you, you've got to try and get involved in certain projects we still get phone calls people ring up if there's a, if there's a house on goes on fire people look for beds joe duffy will ring me We just supply the beds to these people
0: mm. it's great i don't mind i love it and
1: it's it's well respected
0: um so mick what would you say is your most proudest achievement and um, that you ever had throughout your career because you have you've obviously achieved a lot of things Um. throughout your life what would you say is the most proudest um, achievement I ever achieved?
1: Well, um, okay. I think, actually, you're gonna probably maybe not understand this initially. Failure was an achievement because out of failure came success. Um, I I don't know if you can understand where I'm coming from on this. If I had not had the failure of the, my other business, I had a previous uh, ex- bad business experience many, many years ago. Which if you like I can tell you about. But please do. <laughs> I think really failure helped me achieve where I am today. If it didn't happen, I would be still just plowing along. I'd be just a non entity. I like being a I like being known. I like being out there. I enjoy meeting people. I go into town, people are looking for selfies, people want to talk to me. And I've got some very, very what I would call beautiful compliments for people who would say are in the marketing industry or in advertising. Um, I go to a pub in town quite a a lot, the Bailey Cafe Mm. and pub in Duke Street. And I sit there and people come up to me and say, Jesus, well done for what you've done. Like We could not do that. You know, you're an individual. You created this yourself. And the industry actually likes me. The marketing industry or the advertising industry actually like me. I like what I've done. Now, um, the reason I can do that is because it's me. I don't have to ask anybody for advice. I don't have to ask anybody's permission. I just go with my good instincts. And I would say to anybody uh, trying to start off a business or trying to get up on their feet, go with your instincts. Don't be afraid, first of all, to fail. Secondly, don't you don't have to listen or take on board everything that you're being told if you believe something is going to work try it and if it doesn't work so be it you can something else will come along and that is what makes a good businessman it makes a good person i think if you're prepared to just be you and follow your dream and let nobody or nothing distract you just have tunnel vision towards where you're going and that's what i did like in the video back with a bang i'm there dressed in a red suit like I felt so stupid standing there in the bar, the D1 bar in Cable Street doing that but I did it because I needed to succeed, I needed to get my name out there so you would do anything to do that, at least I would do anything and I think other people should listen to me and do the same and think the same if they want to be a success take for example the great Michael O'Leary he doesn't care what he says to people what well, he does to a point, but he's gets it out there. He gets free publicity. Mm. He gets the action and the reaction of an awful lot of people, sometimes negative, sometimes positive. But overall, he's getting it out there. And Ryanair, one of the biggest airlines in the world at the moment. Now, he's not totally responsible for that, but he certainly played a big role in getting it out there. I actually put an ad up one time. O'Leary sells seats. Mattress mix sells mattresses. <laughs> and uh, we got a little bit of a feedback from... Ryanair on that one, they asked us not to do it anymore. But that again is good for my publicity. Absolutely. And the better one we did was when Ikea opened uh, Ikea's had this particular colour scheme. So I put up a sign it's a great idea and I used the Ikea font Uh the Ikea colours but we put up about six or eight of them around Dublin. Within 24 hours they had a cease and desist letter served on me. They were very much on the ball but it worked. It got attention and it got a little mention in the papers and whatever. We also have an idea like sleep is a very important factor in people's wellness, in your overall health. And where all this funny thing, the comedies, the videos is great. My staff and myself research mattresses very, very seriously. We know what people are looking for. And the industry is changing. It's evolving into like more like a fashion business or a craft beer industry where you, the craft beer industry is very different to the mm. ordinary breweries. But the mattress business is also becoming like that, where you've got mattresses that are anti-allergenic, that are organic. They are horsehair. They're all these old traditional kind mm. of fillings. And people like that. Uh, the factories that I deal with, they will make mattresses of whatever size you want. You know, the standard sizes so four by six by six foot three. Mm. But they'll do it anyway. And this is where I think people have to be aware of that. Uh they have to know or at least my staff and myself have to be able to tell people the different advantages of the various mattresses. Like we're in a shop here at the moment, they all look the same, but they're all different. Mm. There's 10 mattresses Very comfy too. Yeah, but each one has a different DNA Mm. and it's it's my job to be able to tell people and sleep, diet, exercise are all so important now and sleep is becoming much more of an important factor in people's lives Mm -hmm. to their wellness than was previously recognised and young people in particular research their mattresses before they buy them and or research what they want, and the day is gone now when fellas come in and say, "I give us an old mattress," you know, that's not doesn't happen anymore. They know, they know what they want. Another point I'll mention is when people come into the shop, particularly women, a mattress is a very sensitive product, and I consider it your my best friend. My mattress is my best friend. Mm. Um, but some people are very shy and can be very conservative, and they don't want to like lie on a mattress. You know, like they just do what I'm doing now, sit on a mattress. Mm. But that's not how you, a mattress is not designed to take your weight in one position. It's designed to take your weight evenly. So if somebody says, I say lie on a mattress, I couldn't do that too. Come on, I get on it with you. That's what I say to them. Mm. And it works. It breaks <laughs> down a barrier straight away that, you know, okay, it could be an old lady, it could be an old man. I don't care. I just get on the mattress and we'll try it. Mm. And you generally win them over and get the sale. Because they feel comfortable dealing with me because I'm a normal guy. They're lying on a mattress at Mattress Mick and <laughs> it's mm, going to work. Mm. Um, I don't know if that sounds a little bit odd, but it does uh, It does work. happen. Yeah. Uh, we try to interact very much with our customers. Like, uh, For example, they come in to see me. Oh, he's real. A lot of people don't even believe I'm real. Mm. They think I'm just a name. So who's Harvey Norman? People have not met Harvey Norman yeah. because he's in Australia. Who are Bargentown? They don't know. I know who they are, but mm. the ordinary, you could walk into a town store and you wouldn't know who Mr. Bargentown is. Yeah. Or Des Kelly's. Mm. And These are my main competitors, but you can come into my shop or any of my shops and meet Mattress Mick, which is a big plus for a lot of people. Mm. Going forward, um, I had at one stage, I said earlier on this interview that, I had eight shops. I did have eight shops. I my plans going forward are to what I did was I registered Mattress Mick as a trademark. <coughs> Excuse me. Now uh, Europe wide. So I now have the rights to Mattress Mick all over Europe. Nobody else can use that name. Mm. Um I'm offering other retailers now a licence to trade as Mattress Mick. It's not a franchise, it's a licence to use the Mattress Mick name and the Mattress Mick colors. And I have, at the moment, I have three retailers doing this. I've been talking to another three or four. So hopefully by maybe the end of 2020, I could have 15 of these stores open around the country. Wow. Yeah, that's my plan. And I just charge a fee, uh, a license fee per, mm-hmm. per month. And they could sell a million pounds worth of euros worth a day. doesn't matter to me. I just get this flat fee. Mm -hmm. and that suits me fine. Mm. But I'm getting my brand out, and I'm getting the Mattress make name better known. Like, for example, last Saturday we were in Cork, doing six deliveries in Cork, to our online sales. So there's another shop that's not visible, but it's a shop. And um, it's working, it's beginning to work. But as regards selling expensive mattresses online, it's not... I think that happens very often. You'll sell the more, the two or €300 Euro mattress because people like to, as I said earlier on, like to lie on a mattress. They like to try a mattress. Mm. But to buy a mattress online is very difficult unless it's for a spare room or you might know the brand or whatever. But you'll sell bunk beds or you'll sell chest of drawers or you'll sell novelty beds online because people can mm. actually see them. But a mattress is totally different. But that's where I hope to go Going forward is the franchise or the license arrangements, the online business, and God knows what else. I have to get an exit, though. This is the trouble. I can't keep going forever, and I feel that if I can create this—I um, won't call it an empire—but this countrywide brand, somebody might, somebody might come along someday and want to buy it, and I would love that to happen and perhaps get a job from them promoting Metalsmic and get away from the normal day-to-day running, the business. running of the business, which I enjoy, but mm. it be, it, it's very time-consuming, particularly as the business grows. But, and I Marketing is my forte. I like being out there. I mm. like mixing, mm. and I like talking to people, and if I could do more of that, I'd be so much happier. So going going forward, that is what I'd like. Now, whether it happens or not, I don't know. I don't have anybody in my family to take over my business. Uh, I have two daughters who are not interested. Uh, I, My sister, who works with me, is not really interested either. and she, she wouldn't be, like, there's only one Mattress Mick. And this is what I've done. Like, I've created my, like mm. a, Colonel Saunders in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm, like, mm, mm. But he's dead. <laughs> he's still there, you know. <laughs> uh, but that's the way I have to think. And it's not a nice way to think. Like, you know, you build up a business, you don't know where to go with it, you've no nobody to take it over. So, as I said, I, hopefully somebody will come along and give me a big lump or whatever. I don't know.
0: But you would definitely see yourself just doing, like, um, just kind of promoting the business but not actually running the business itself. That's what I'd
1: ideally like to do and have a bit more time. Like, I work seven days a week and I'd have a bit more time to... Do things I want to do. I like yeah. to travel. I like yeah. I have friends living abroad. I'd like to visit them. I like my family, of course. I could have devote more time to my family, who really put up with me. Like it's, God helps them, they do put up with me. I'm never at home. I'm always doing something, but thank God I do have their support, which is very very important to me. I'd like, I'd like it to work. And I think I will make it work because my mind is telling me the positive side of my brain is saying, go for it, go for it, do it and go out and do it. I've already started. I'll just keep going. It'll mean more hard work, but to hell, what can you do?
2: Hmm.
0: And like yourself, you're very innovative. Like You have lots of ideas, creative ideas. What helps you maintain this creativity, this positivity towards your brand and uh, to keep growing, I guess?
1: Well, when I failed, when I got into trouble, I, got, I had no money. I didn't like that feeling, and I don't want that to ever happen again. Mm. Um, I don't think if it did happen, because I could, I could get going again, I'd find it difficult because I'm getting older. Uh, you know, you you get tired. Mm. Um, I I what keeps me going is the fear of failure or, again, and to to get the energy to motivate myself again would possibly be quite difficult. Uh, When you're on a roll, it's fine. You know, it's like a wheel turning. So each day, different things come into my mind. I say, I'll do that, I'll do whatever. But to have to start again from the very bottom, I think would be difficult. But to keep rolling is not too hard for me at Mm. all. I enjoy that. I enjoy, I go for a drink or a pint most evenings after my day's work. Mm. I'd have one or two pints. And I sit there and I think and I plan, and I get ideas. And that is my release. I don't play sport. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in sport whatsoever. I can't comprehend why people get so excited about a football match, just not in my mindset. Mm. But I do love my own time. I do love thinking about my next move. Um, One of the other things I did have uh, was a taxi business, believe it or not, Really? Yes. Oh. Uh I live in Clontarf and my business was in um Kulak and I needed to buy a new car hmm. because the other one I had wasn't up to scratch. But I found it difficult to justify buying a new car to drive from Clontarf to Kulak. So I said, How can I make this work? And I decided I would apply for my own taxi licence right? Mm. So I did my test and I got my license. Mm. So the car I bought, I converted into a taxi. One day I had the, I had the car, it was a Skoda Octavia. I had it all set up as a taxi. I had my own taxi license and I was delighted with myself. And I, went out, I used to go out, this was before I became as not well known as I am now. Mm. And I'd pick up people and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But one day a pal of mine came up to me and he said, do you know anybody I can rent a taxi from? And I said, hmm. Me. Mm. <laughs> so what I did was I rented him that first taxi and out of the income from that taxi, I bought another one. And this was when deregulation had kicked in so you could buy a taxi plate for €6,300. Euro. And I, the banks were very generous to me at yeah. that time. And I kept buying and renting. And I ended up with 28 taxis. And I thoroughly enjoyed that journey. At the moment, I have it down to 10 taxis, but Mm. I drive one myself, still drive it, but I don't pick up too often. But what I did with the older cars was I branded them all yellow and red and I parked them all over town. I have a fella who um, moves them around for me. We keep moving them from A to B. In fact, Nicky Byrne on Westlife, from Westlife, who's on radio now at the moment, rang me one day to asked they were running a competition, how many cars do you think Mattress Mick has? Mm. and we only had two of them circulating. But people thought perceived there was ten of them because we just kept moving them around. And that was that was great. That was a bit of crack. Mm. We had good fun with him on the radio. He didn't give me any tickets though. <laughs> 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 um, but uh that's what I do. And that's how my mind thinks. What I do, I'll turn a bad situation to a good situation. So the cars were old, painted them up, got them branded and it works. What do you think of that idea?
0: I think it's brilliant. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's genius.
1: Then uh, I have our vans. All my vans <laughs> carry my logo on them. Yeah. I have this position where I'm standing. Well, that's it there. I have all my vans branded. And they're all, i very, very conscious of keeping them clean. And they're all fresh. Hmm. And that also creates positivity with people. Yeah. And one of the other factors. The fact that I've been on the radio and I've been on the Ray Darcy show on TV and stuff like that people have a confidence in buying from you. Mm. They buy over the phone they give you their car details and they're not nervous of doing so because they know. They trust you. They trust me and that is a big plus plus. Um and a lot of our business comes like that from referrals, from people ringing in orders, from friends who've bought from us or whatever And it works. So you really
0: care about your customer?
1: Absolutely. Now, we make a few mistakes. We're not perfect. Like, we try to deliver on time, on the day we say we'll deliver. Mm. That can't always, it doesn't always happen. Of course, There could be a traffic accident or there could be a delay in a previous delivery. But you do your very, very best. And you try, you try to communicate with the customer on a regular basis. But I find it still very hard with emails and stuff like that. I like to pick up the phone where people say, I'll mail them, I'll mail them. Really, I, I I, don't, it doesn't come into my mind. Like I pick up a phone like the old days and just do yeah. it. I don't like getting my invoices online. Hmm. I like to get them in an envelope. Hmm. And I open the envelope and there you are. Hmm. But it's all online. Everything is just, I'm trying to talk to somebody. Nowadays, for example, in the banks and that, it's impossible. You just cannot get through. Yeah, you got to all these different options before you get to anywhere, and that wrecks my head. Now I am sure I am not the only person of my era who thinks like that. Hmm. And I am going to tell you one other thing: I've never read a book in my life. Really, really. And, and Why I is that? I don't know. I never had the time. First of mm-hmm. all, and getting back to my earlier life, like when my dad uh, died when I was eighteen, my mum and my my uh, brothers and sisters. I kind of looked after them. Um, I got a job. I went to Sink Street School. I did quite well in my Leaving Cert. And we were living here in Pier Street, where Mm. we are at the moment. There's a shop or a house behind the shop here. Mm. And at that time, Pier Street was not a great address. Mm. And I had difficulty getting a job because of where I lived. Mm. But I eventually secured a job uh, in a bank called the Royal Trust Company, and the guy who ran that bank, his name was brian doyle he's still a, he's still alive. He gave me a chance and for, I'm forever grateful to that man for doing that. but this shop here, where we are now, it was originally a drapery store. Then I introduced furniture into it, and I also introduced bottled gas. I used to sell air gas. I got an agency, and we would deliver it all over Dublin. The bottles of gas we sell super sers and cookers and everything else. so this shop was everything but now as you can see it's just a dedicated bed shop but I also had a stand in a very famous market called the Dandelion Market it was mm. based up in St. Stephen's Green it's where the Stephen's Green shopping centre is now and while I had that while I was working in the bank and I made quite a lot of money out of that so being a sole trader was always in my blood mm. and I could never get away with get it that out of it and in fact the band U2 used to play, they were only starting off, used to play on the walkway into the um, market. And I'm sure a lot of listeners who are of my vintage will remember that. And it was a great experience. I got some lovely photographs taken with them, but I can't find it. Find them now. And um, like the likes of Bono and that. They were just normal blokes at the time, uh, trying to get on like I was trying to get on. But I did diversify by mistake into the grocery business, when I was in my early 20s I opened a shop a grocery shop a Mace branded shop in Ringsend which is not terribly far from here and it went very 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 well then I opened another one down the road here a second one so I was a young guy I was flying at plenty of money and but I lost control I, I just was probably spending more than I was earning I was enjoying myself I took my eye off the ball Again, it was another mistake. Leeson Street was happening and, you know, drinking mm. and girls and yeah, the usual. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was all a different world and the whole thing was evolving from show bands days to rock and roll and to different types of bands. And I loved it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But it was to my detriment because my business failed. And I had a house in Sandymount and I owed a quite a lot of money from the grocery business, not so much the furniture business, but I went around to all of my suppliers, player supplier wills and all these different places. I did a deal with them. I said, I sell my house, but I give you so much, but I won't sell my house unless you accept it to clear off the whole debt. I didn't want any follow-ons. So that was my first kind of failure. But Then I picked myself, wait, we still had the furniture store, so I just kept going at that. And... End this recession in 07 but out of the recession 07 came matters make. Not bad. And what did you what did you want to
0: do when you were younger? Like, were you always uh, drawn towards business, towards yeah. being a businessman, entrepreneur, kind of, or did you want to be someone else when you were younger? No,
1: I always wanted to be self employed.
0: And when did you? When were you first self employed?
1: Well, when I had the market <laughs> stand in the market, I suppose, uh, I was I was still in school. In I was school, in bank, wow. yeah and the market was on a Saturday and a Sunday so um, I've been really do- at it all my life and I never really wanted to work for anybody else I would find it very difficult to be told what to do mm. I I I can't comprehend a situation where I'd be in an office and I'd be told do this, do that, no can't do it, I like to tell people what I'd rather be told what to do mm. but I don't tell even, I ask and I work with people, I have a I believe a nice manner with people and it pays off but I always wanted to work on my own really it was never my intention to to be employed, the bank was a good school I needed to get money, I needed to prove to myself that it was possible to get a job Mm. facing the address we lived in and so forth and I got a great job and I made some great friends out of that bank and we still meet up to this day, hmm. people who were in that bank. Wow. Yeah, it was based in Dawson Street. And it was a lovely time in my life. Really lovely, but it wasn't to be forever in my world. Hmm. The main the main ambition that I had was to be working for myself. Really. I I'd, I'd hadn't planned to go into the furniture business. That happened by accident because one day I was standing at the door there. And I saw a man getting off the bus with a chair. So I said to myself, why did he have to go into town and buy a chair? So I started... And we had the ah, space. Okay. the drapery business was dying because um done stores were opening in town, pennies were opening, roaches hmm. stores, all these old st- so they were taking all the business from the small, independent little draper hmm. store, and this is how the whole thing evolved furniture, bottle of gas, and then furniture won bottled gas died, furniture won so interest it is interesting, yeah, um. I, if I had a chance I'd do it all again I wouldn't change anything really really no the, uh, well I I would have uh, yes I would I'm sorry I wouldn't have diversified into the grocery business mm. first of all would just
0: stick with home and furniture
1: I would stick with I would have stuck with the furniture yeah because mm. at the time in the grocery business there was no barcoding there was no nothing it was very easy to get ripped off yeah and um, it happened to me unfortunately but it was again it was a lesson you know um, a lesson that I learned a lot from, and again, the second lesson, the second failure wasn't my own fault. Well, it was partly my own fault, but the recession just hammered me, mm. as as it did for a lot of other people. But again, it was a good thing. It was a lot of positivity came out of that. That's why I'm talking to you today, as Mattress Mick, but I'm also Michael Flynn, and we're the same person. And people would know me as my friends know me as Michael Flynn, but I went to town. Oh, there's Mattress Mick. Mattress there's Mick. Mattress Mick. Mick. Mattress yeah, Mick, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like I went down to the Gay Pride Festival the other day, mm. last weekend. I, I went into town, into Cable Street. And I've done for the last two years. Mm. I went in with my wife. And it was fantastic to see the reaction of people to me. Really. Mm. Thoroughly really enjoyed it. We must have got about 80 or 90 photographs taken. People loved the whole persona of Mattress Mick. And there were quite some famous people there as well who'd come over to me. I don't want to name them, but they would mm. come over to me and say, how you doing? That is, yeah. to me, is just brilliant. Brilliant. And it's not for the adultation of it. It's just it means that the whole concept has worked. Mm. You know, it is from a very simple idea. It's worked. And I love giving talks to people. I love going to schools or colleges giving young people motivation talks and to me to be asked to do something like that again means the whole mattress mick concept has worked when you get a teacher ringing you up or you get uh, uh, somebody in authority asking even the thing today in wheatfield prison which i told you about earlier on i was up there talking to people there about Failure about success and about having tunnel vision, and the interaction of those people today was amazing. Even the teachers in this prison school attended the the chat. Wow! Yeah, and like it wasn't a very nice place, but certainly I'd never been in a prison before, Mm. and I certainly wouldn't like to go unless I could get out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but, uh, the people there were really nice. So these are—they all made a mistake. But please, God, the reason why they were listening to me was maybe they won't make another mistake. And I think that's lovely to be able to do that.
0: No, oh, it's amazing. Like, yeah, with the whole persona, like uh, I was just waiting outside a store and the Viking, you know, the Viking vans go yeah, around. Yeah. They all just started shouting out, mattress make, mattress make. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you know, everybody knows who mattress making. Like, you really did a good job on that. Like, it's it's yeah. amazing. It is.
1: Those guys are very good to me. Like, if I'd have been standing there, it would have been worse. <laughs> you know, uh, But th- those guys are are better. <laughs> I don't mm. know which. No, those guys are very good to me. They they they, they just took it on their own bat to um, promote the brand. It is a bit different. We get a lot of tourists going it's by. They stay, they stay in the yeah. hotel down there, and they go by, and they take photographs of the signs outside. I have mm. the Gay Pride sign up there at the moment, but mm. I change that now next week. I, I put a different one up every mm. month. Mm-hmm. And people take photographs, they take selfies, they take, you know, uh, it's just wonderful, just wonderful. I've never had any bad will from anybody. Nobody ever say, "Oh, you know, you're, you, who do you think you are?" You know, now you're rich, and it's all been very positive. Everything yeah. has been very positive. And this area here, uh, my as I said here, my grandfather started trading here in 1922. The shop was known as Mickey Flynn's. And they still call it Mickey Flynn's, you know, mm-hmm. and when we were living here um behind the shop on a Sunday morning, people would knock at the door if they were stuck for a pair of socks or a pair of shoes or anything and on a Sunday morning, my mum would open the door and let them in and serve them, and the shop became known for that, and I thought that was nice too, that you would do that, and people always say, "I remember your ma letting me in for a pair of socks or whatever I needed on a Sunday morning." Even when my dad died, um, people didn't hadn't heard about him dying. They called to the store. He died on a Friday, and we were closing on Saturday. And they called to the store or to the shop here. And when they realised what had happened, they went away dignified and was, you know, wishing you all the best and hoping you get over the tragedy. Lovely people around here, really, really, really nice, and they still are. But the, the, the profile of the people living here is different now because there's new apartments, there's new houses being built. So you've got a lot of IT workers, you've got a lot of people renting. It's a different world. Yeah. Different world. My 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 mother and father both came from this area. So the, it's quite close to my heart. And I love it, you know. There they look at it in the window. Hello. <laughs> That's what happens all the time.
0: So just to give some context, uh, we're just sitting in a store, a mattress next store in Pierce Street and some people just walk by the street and they saw a mattress make there and it all just started waving. So it just it's amazing to see people, you know, just you never met before to say hello to you, all these celebrities like Stephen Fry retweeting. It's its truly amazing. Yeah. And what I do admire in you, like you failed multiple times. Yes. But you always found a positive um, outlook outlook on life and you always, you know, you always put yourself out there no matter what other people thought you just had a m- positive attitude towards it and you just succeeded which is which is really amazing like a lot of people would just give up and quit but not you
1: No, you like when you go through a bad time you can do mm. two a number of different things, you can go and just assign yourself into John of Gods you can go and drink or you can be positive mm. and try and get going again and that's what i did and i also believe god is with me this might sound very strange but Hopefully. i've got a great relationship with god mm-hmm. uh i i go to mass i enjoy mass i don't really pray very much at mass mm-hmm. but I, except i i give thanks to the lord for what i've got hmm. and i'm not trying to be a holy joke you know i still do my things and i yeah enjoy my life but i still need god in it very much. And if I didn't have him, I don't think I would be the person I am today. God he, he to me, he's my friend. He's a good guy in my world. Hmm. When well, people laugh at that I suppose, but I don't care. Let them. Yeah. It's what yeah, I believe in. Yeah. And when I go to church or uh, to mass, I you're supposed to stand up at certain times, just hmm. I don't do that. Hmm. I just sit there or do what I want to do. If yeah. I feel like standing I don't follow the rules. Be yourself. Yeah, be myself. And I find that fantastic and I talk Mm. to the man, he talks back to me and he hasn't done me a bad turn. Well, he, he might appear to have done, but he's done me a good turn at the end of the day. You know, with the failures. And again, yes, very, very important. Prayer, God and religion is important in my world. Also, the elderly are very important. I like to help old people. I like to I take an interest in one or two t- projects. I call them projects. Like if there's a neighbor or there's somebody and I can do something to help them, I enjoy that. I don't look for anything for it. You just do it. And I think that's a, a nice thing to do too. You know, it's giving, again, something back.
0: And like you previously mentioned, you um, donated uh, 40 best to yeah. Apollo. You Even spent your Christmas day? Would I be correct? Christmas morning, Christmas yeah, morning? yeah. Like that's amazing. Like you, you, you know, you don't see people doing that.
1: Well, it was it was very interesting because the family, uh, the people that staying in Apollo House, we we decorated the house properly. We had um, mm. Christmas trees and we had a, a very famous chef came in and cooked the dinner. Mm. Glenn Hansard, the singer, who is a very good friend of mine now, mm. uh, he actually. Came in and sang as did Christy Moore on that morning. They did the carols and they did the Glenn Hansard songs, and it was fantastic. I only spent a couple of hours there, but it went on for the whole day. Apollo House was amazing. There was no alcohol or drugs allowed in, hmm. and that made a big, big, big difference. Although, and also what made a difference was people could cohabitate. Like there were couples who hadn't stayed together for a lo- quite a long time they were living going to hostels where they'd be segregated men and women but Apollo house gave people a chance to be together like we gave in some double beds as well as single beds and i think that was great for young people or for mm. people who are in a relationship to be able to share that situation where before they couldn't do it and christmas day was amazing yeah it was really good really really good it's pity apollo house served a purpose it made people aware or very aware of how serious the homeless situation is in Dublin and indeed in Ireland. Uh, It didn't solve the problem, but it certainly put it out there. And I think it's very sad when I go by that up there and you see it all pulled down. It's not nice. Hmm. And uh, we did try to get a plaque um, put up on the site, but the authorities wouldn't let us do it again. You just move on, you forget about it and you'll do something else. But the people on the Apollo House journey that we met, I met, as I said at the beginning of this talk, were great. And I still are great. And we meet up frequently. You know, we're meeting up now in August. Uh, Damien Dempsey was another very powerful voice in that uh, campaign. He sang some beautiful songs the night we took it over. He was out singing on the streets about the occupation of Apollo House. It was really just unbelievable. Really unbelievable. Hmm. I'm glad and honoured that I was part of it.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing when you do things like that. Like it's, it's nice. Um, and what kind of advice would you give to a 20 year old self?
1: 20 year old
0: self, if you were, if you had a chat with Mick uh, when he was 20 oh, years of age, sorry, yeah. What advice would you give him?
1: I, <laughs> I, I would say to Mick. I, I think I would say what I said to myself. Like mm-hmm. I I want to be self employed. I want to work for myself. Mm. I um determined not to be swayed in my plans. I'd, my ideal age would be twenty eight. I'd like to be twenty eight again. Mm. Uh, the reason and why that, is that? Yeah, well you get over your 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 you you're an adult first of all. At twenty you're not an adult. Well you are but you're not. Mm. Uh twenty eight to me is the perfect age. Um I would, I would feel I can get into bars. I could have no trouble going wherever I want to go. At twenty or twenty-one, you still ask for ID. Hmm. In well, a lot of places. Yeah. Um. I could, I would feel I've overcome at twenty-eight. I've completed part of my journey in life. Like I would have been, I had my twenty-first. I would have had my first job. I would have made my first group of new friends. But then 28, I'd have my own mind, I think. I'd be ready to, to um, what, would, what way do I put this? Go on my own more so than I could when I was younger. I don't know if that's coming across right like or not. Like kind now, of but shape your own path yeah. when you're 28, as yeah. opposed
0: to when you're 20, when you can't really. Yeah, you like you're, you're undecided.
1: Like my daughter, for example, one of my daughters did a degree yeah. in business, in Trinity, hmm. but she completed a degree, got first class honors in it, hmm. then changed direction but i think at 28 you'd know where you want to go
0: yeah because you've experienced more yeah and you can kind of yeah
1: you like uh i did have the i, I was fortunate that i had the job in the bank then i had the benefit of my family having their own business now unfortunately then my dad died so i took over the business or took over part of it but uh, i was too young i think to really know And then when I got to 27, 28, I said, yes, this is definitely what I want to do. And that's when I started the furniture stores and all the different stuff. And just tunnel vision from there on. Tunnel vision there I was in my early 30s when I bought or opened the uh, grocery stores. That was a mistake. Hands up, I don't mind telling people it was a mistake. I'm never afraid to admit that. And, uh, yeah, definitely 28. Definitely. And, again... I'd reiterate what I said earlier on. Just go for it. And don't worry about what people say. And don't let the begrudges knock you. And there's a lot of them out there. And also one thing I'd say, it's not all about material. Like, I, you make money. It's not to buy new cars. It's not to buy houses. It's to give yourself, <clears throat> your family and your security. Like, who needs a new car every year? Yeah. Who needs, uh, you know the most expensive hotel or go for a meal and pay two hundred, three hundred euro for two people. Who needs all that? When you get the same food, the same type of food, a lot less and probably have a better time in a more civilised bar or restaurant. I've no time for that. If I'd have won the lottery I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a BMW. I don't need a BMW.
0: You're just happy to do what you're currently doing. Yeah. And enjoying the process. Yeah.
1: Like, I drive an 09 Skoda. Hmm. I'm terribly happy in it. Hmm. Really. Hmm. I don't need a 191 Skoda. Hmm. I really don't. It's just the same job. And this is my way of thinking. Um, And this is how my taxi business evolved. Like, again, as I said to you earlier, I couldn't have couldn't justify buying a car and just driving from Clontarf to Kulak. I have to make things work. I have to give myself a reason for wanting something and to make it work and make it pay makes sense
0: yeah it does
1: you know and I think a lot of people if they thought like that um, and a lot of people I think are beginning to think like that now because some of my friends who also got a bit hammered during the recession mm. coming out of it now but they're not doing the same things they used to do they don't need to do the same things they used to do they just live their life quietly under the under the cloud just go ahead.
0: And I'm curious, um, what's your personal philosophy on life? Um, like, what do you think is important? What are the important things in life, I guess?
1: Well, people, first of all, are very important. People, um, be prepared to listen. And I also think it's very important to smile. You know, it's very important to smile, to acknowledge people, uh, not to be, become a self-centered, egotistic person bastard Mm. I want of a better word Uh, to be simple in your ideas but at the same time not to be not to punish yourself you know to enjoy your success Mm. but in moderation Mm. Um, I don't know if that answers the question but that is where I that's what I think does it answer the question?
0: Yeah, it does. And, like, when you say people, what do you mean? Just them, like, in having, like, a sense of community, your friends, and family. But even strangers. Even strangers. Even
1: strangers. Like, everybody has a need. Everybody wants somebody. And this is one of the things we do, and I do in the shop. Like, if somebody comes into my store, give give them a hug, you know. You give hugs to people? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Shake their hand. Have some kind of... um, and everybody has a problem, or have had problems. Mm. Nobody goes through life, in my world anyway, without a problem. And I think if you remember that, that some people are reluctant to share it, but if they want to talk, if you appear to be a good listener, they will open out, and that gives people a lot of relief. But the hug is very important. I love hugging people, mm. and not necessarily a hug, just a you know a. Kind of a small hook.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> and a handshake or a smile, and that is what I think makes a decent person. To, and not to ignore if somebody asks you for a little bit of help. Say, for example, a guy is broken down the side of the road, and you know that his battery's dead. If I ever set a jump leads to my car, I'll stop and give him a dig out. If you know, nine times out of ten, or if somebody, for example, maybe in a shop they buy a packet of chewing gum, and they've no money, or they can't find the money, I'd pay for that. It's only a a euro. Yeah. And do that rather than embarrass them or whatever, or they'd have to walk away without their purchase. And little things like that. Simple things matter. It's not the big things; It's the simple things. It's just little, little acts of kindness, I think, are very important. And I think this is where my belief in God, my belief in people... My belief in um, the goodness that's around me helps me believe, think like this.
0: No, it yeah, I, I agree. Like, I agree. Like, you should be kind to people. You should make other people feel good <coughs> yes. when they're in your company. Like, I mean, we're only here for one short life. You know, might as well make other people's lives better. And I think you're definitely doing that. You're... <laughs> Like, it's amazing to hear.
1: Well, it's another side to me that people don't really, I, I think, see. Um, I don't know how anybody could be mean to somebody deliberately. I can't get my head around it. Yeah. You know, how somebody could attack somebody, kick somebody, hurt somebody. In my world, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I feel very sorry for people who do those type of things. Like, I just can't get it into me. Hmm. Or how people can steal from break into somebody's house steal or steal somebody's wallet or if you find a credit card on the ground try and use it, that's wrong in my world you know but it happens, it happens and God knows the anguish that that person who's lost their wallet or house is broken God knows what they're suffering or if you break a window of a car like I've had my windows of my car broken and the disruption that causes, like you got to go and get a fix. You check mm. if your radio is still in the car or whatever you had in the car is still there. And it's a horrible feeling. But how somebody can do that, I just don't know. I actually don't know. You're better off asking or begging or doing something if you need that yeah. badly off for money, you know. And I have no take. I can't get it. Just can't get that.
0: Well, you know, like, yeah, some people, like, find themselves in a difficult situation and they're probably angry with themselves and other people and they've um, like you know, breaking something is a way to express that anger, if you not know I mean. I feel like that that might be a reason. Well you could be whatever. right, yeah.
1: You could be right. Um and that is probably a lot of the reason. They're probably right?
0: suffering themselves.
1: Yeah, but they can get help if they really they want can. to. Yeah. I mean there's help out there for every problem. Like you know, if you're if you're an alcohol problem or a gambling problem or There's help. There's help there. <clears throat> All you've got to do is ask for it. Even if you've got financial help or problems, there's financial help there. You've got companies or organisations that will help you solve a debt problem. Your mortgage, loans at the banks. It's not necessary to do harm to people. And it's also not necessary to harm yourself. Like, I find it very hard to understand why people commit suicide. I really do. When there's help out there, unless something actually happens to them in their head, I don't know. Because the people who are be to me, the people who are left behind, are the ones who have the who have the problems. Really, the family, like a family man taking his own life, he's got a wife and a couple of kids. I don't understand it, but again, I'm not qualified to answer all the reasons. You can never know what's going on. No, that's head. the trouble. I, you so exactly. Yeah. No, but in my my the way my head thinks, I'm not knowledgeable. I I, I possibly shouldn't even comment on it, but. I find it terribly sad to think that somebody would take their own life over money or over something like that. And I think the banks have been responsible too for a lot of a lot of problems in families because of their lack of sensitivity towards situations. Um, thank God, in my case, I didn't have that many problems with the banks, but um, I, a lot of my friends have had, and they go through hell, absolute hell, but again, I can't solve that problem. I can only try and encourage people to go forward and to think, again, positively. But it is changing. It is, I think, changing. I feel like it is, yeah. yeah. We're
0: like We're all very, you know, especially men, I think, we don't tend to open up about things um, as much as women. But I think, you know, we're, we're slowly starting to talk about our problems and actually express how we feel. So I feel like we are definitely going in a positive direction
1: yeah do you cry?
0: Do I cry, yeah, and um, not too often, but I do cry, yeah yeah, I guess I'm an emotional guy, yeah,
1: um, I think crying is a good thing, hmm. um, but a lot of men won't cry, hmm. they feel it's not a manly thing, but like a man is no different to a woman in many respects, like we're hmm. still people, yeah, and I certainly cry, hmm. now, as again, like yourself, not too often, but I'm not ashamed to cry, hmm. um I'm not ashamed to ask for help. If I need it, uh, I have no shame in that respect whatsoever. I will also offer help when it when it's needed. So it's a two-way road. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, it
1: is definitely a two-way road. And crying, I think, is a great emotion. Laughter is a great re- emotion. Yeah. Uh, give, shaking people's hands or giving them a hug is also an emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And if I can make a difference to people... That, in any shape or form, I'll try and do it.
0: Would you say that's your overall kind of mission to make a difference in people's lives, really?
1: I wouldn't call it a mission. I'd say it's just something that's in me. Yeah. You know, um, people have helped me when I had troubles. Mm. Then people kicked me also when I had troubles. You know, mm. and you weigh it up. The people who who, who kicked me are the losers now. Mm. The people who helped me are the winners. Mm. Not only financially, but they had the benefit of my friendship, which I think is very important, and I also have theirs. And the guys, and one particular individual, really upset me. He was my best friend in business and everything else, and he just gave me hell, when, over a very small consideration of money, But that's him. He's gone, he's lost out. He's still in my industry, but I wouldn't buy as much as a pillow off him, which is sad over a small amount of money but it was his attitude that annoyed me
0: yes little things little things that make a difference
1: it is and it's it's important I think for young people in particular to remember that Um, that not the society the way it's gone now it's a very impersonal society with mobile phones and with mm. you sound look I, I, I'm in traffic and I look at people that bust up Everyone was on the phone
0: on the phone yeah no real connection no talks yeah
1: um, that's why emails and me don't go together. Mm. Um, books and me don't go together. I like to talk. I like to interact. I like to, to, to communicate verbally as well as physically with people. You know, that is important to me. But this thing about texting and phoning,
0: no. <laughs> Not for you. Not for <laughs>
1: me. I do it. I have to do yeah. it. Uh, I have to accept emails are part of the future. And um, what can I do about it? I can't change it.
0: And who has influenced your life the most, would you say? Is there there a certain person or people or a group of people who influenced your life?
1: Um, In my my business world, Mm -hmm. um, I was very influenced by, not influenced, but very respected, Michael O'Leary quite a lot. Mm. Dennis O'Brien was a big, uh, not an influence, but he was... Somebody who I admired. Yeah. Uh, I I like little people who have made it. Like, for example, there's a guy out there at the moment. He started this business Chopped.
0: Chopped. Oh, yeah.
1: He's flying. Now, I've got great admiration for him. Hmm. I've met him on one or two occasions. And he had this idea. Hmm. And he went for it. Hmm. And uh, he, he was probably starting at the same time as myself. And he's done a fantastic job, but I always thought the likes of O'Leary, Dennis O'Brien, uh, one or two politicians who I won't even mention were part of my, um, what do you call it, journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I'll tell you one of them, Bertie Ahern. I liked. Now, a lot of people don't like him, didn't like him, but to me, he didn't mean me no harm. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was very good to me in one or two occasions. Another guy who's fallen by the wayside was Ivor Calley. Like, Ivor Calley has his own problems. I liked him. I knew him. But I just feel that the media treated him very badly. And um, again, I was talking to him there a couple of weeks ago. He's fine. You know, he's just getting on with his life now. And I always like to be I would never ignore a man like that, a man who's made one or two mistakes. I would try and talk to them and listen to them and kind of bond with them, have a cup of coffee. But there was nobody really, um, really, really influenced me. You know, I I was my own person. I knew where I wanted to go. Hmm. But I would admire and read about those people who I mentioned. Um, I also... Had great admiration for Bill Clinton, How the come? American president. I don't know. I just liked him. I just liked him.
0: He's I, a very um, warm personality. I think. Yeah,
1: I, I, I just like. I never met him, obviously, but I just liked. Him. I liked his persona. I liked mm. the way he dealt with people. Yeah, and one other man is Ben Dunn. Mm. I think Ben Dunn is great. Great, and I love his ads, his new ads for his and fly fish, <laughs> yeah, which is very, very, very good. I had the idea of maybe asking, would he like to offer a, uh, <laughs> get into bed with me? In so far as, uh, no, no, I don't mean that, uh, but get into bed with me, where he people in his gym after a workout be very tired and they might need a new mattress. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, that might be um, something that he might consider I'm trying to get through to him though. Another thing I'm very much involved with is Bloomsday. I love Bloomsday and I deal with a, a friend of mine, Peter Caviston. He has a restaurant out in Glass too, and he dresses up and all the people dress up in the old period costumes of James Joyce. I love that activity. That's a different um, day out for me. And in fact, a couple of years ago, or a couple of three years in the trot, on Bloomsday we took a stand up at pier station up here we brought a bed up and I would get into the bed and on one occasion uh, people would read um, Joyce to me. I'm in the bed I get a little model bed in, in the bed beside me and we'd have great fun and George Hook would read Ulysses so we great fun with all the passengers coming off the train and it was just fun and I love that hmm. really do so what's next I don't know
0: no, it's great. as As long as you're in, as long as you're enjoying, you know what you're doing. I think that's, I'll never give up. That's great. You never give up.
1: No, except if somebody comes along and buys me out, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think I'll ever retire. I just think I'll keep going and going and going.
0: And actually, um, you know, let's just say um, someone someone actually did come along and buy the mattress big brand. What do you see yourself doing? Like, would you like to do speaking engagements, speaking schools? Like, what do you see yourself doing with all that spare time?
1: Well. I'd like to get a part-time job from whoever buys it.
0: You know, a oh, part-time job, people, as in, and what are you going to do with market the job? brand? Oh, continue I okay. to market the
1: brand, mm-hmm. uh, get the more franchises opened. Don't let it die. Mm-hmm. Like when I pass on, I I want people to think I remember Mattress Mick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I I'm a Dubliner. I love Dublin. I love mm-hmm. my city. I love the way it, evol- it Has it, it? It has evolved and is a, growing and changing mm. and I'd like people always to remember me as a true Dubliner. and I think that whatever it takes to make that happen I think I'll try before I do eventually pass on I wouldn't like to be a Lord Mayor I wouldn't like to be any of these people who are I'm told what to do I'd like to just do my own thing Um I, I was asked would I consider becoming a councillor no because mm. it's too much control would I have any interest in running for president? Believe it or not, no interest whatsoever. Really? Yeah, no interest whatsoever. Uh, and it wouldn't work, and I wouldn't—I wouldn't be elected. But it—it it came out, and no, I could just couldn't place myself in that position where I, my life would not be my own. Can you understand? Yeah, absolutely. I just could not take it. I like just the freedom. I like the time after work to do what I want to do. I mm. like my work and I love meeting people. And I like the interaction and If that ever changed, I'd be very disappointed and sad
0: mm. and what kind of um what kind of thing do you like to do after work?
1: Well, I like driving I love driving, mm-hmm. but I also like to spend time on my own uh not just all the thinking. time, just thinking. I have a very, very good group of friends who I enjoy meeting. Mm. I enjoy spending time with my family. Um, we go to different things. My, we do family things, as families do. But taking the family out of, this, out of the picture, I, I enjoy... I finish work most evenings at 7. I would maybe go and have a drink locally in, in the Clontarf area where I live. Or I'd come into the city and meet up with some people. I like then getting involved in, we say, the homeless thing. We have meetings mm. still going on. I don't do a lot. Football, mm. sport, gone. No, yeah. Nothing. I like holidays. I have a friend who lives in Marbella, and I go over to him every six yeah. or eight weeks. I enjoy that. I would take go Wednesday to Sunday, just a mm. very quick break. And I have it already booked four times for oh. in advance. <laughs> now, if I don't go, the flights are so cheap, if you don't go for some reason, you're not losing a fortune, yeah, but Dennis' my friend over there in in Marbella, We just go out, we eat, we have some nice drinks and good yeah. he's got some good friends over there, and it's just really lovely. That's my wind down, you know, um on a Sunday morning, my favorite spot is I go to church on a Sunday morning at eight thirty then i go would we'll go out to Hoth possibly and just have a coffee on the pier. Mm. Lovely. And, oh, beautiful. Like last Sunday was amazing. Mm. Yeah, just yesterday. It yeah. was amazing. I was out there nine at the quarter past nine, just sitting outside Bishop's Cafe on the pier there. Really, Enjoying really, life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you'll always meet people. People will talk to you. Uh, some of them know me, some of them wouldn't know me, but it's just, just nice. That's a nice hour. And then I went to work at 12 o'clock for a couple of hours, and then I would go out with my my friends and my family after that in the, on a Sunday evening. Hmm. That's my life. Very simple. Holidays in Spain are the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how often would you go on holidays, actually? Like, how um, like how long do you spend in Spain? How much, how I go,
1: I try to go every four, eight weeks. Uh-huh. And I go either on a Wednesday to a Sunday or Thursday to a Sunday. That's and hilarious. I arrive in Malaga Airport. I get into, a, I hire a car. They know yeah. me now, so I don't have to go through <laughs> the whole thing. I just get into the car, drive up to Marbella <laughs> and just relax. Yeah. And it's just it's heaven on earth to me.
0: Do you think it's important to relax?
1: Yes. Yes. But I can only do it outside my work environment. I can't really relax too well when I'm working. Hmm. Except, well. you know, I spend an hour so on my own, but I have to get away to relax. Hmm. But I'll always have my phone with me. Mm-hmm. And my phone is a very simple phone. It's a little Nokia. Hmm. I do have an iPhone, I use it for banking and stuff like that, but the Nokia is the one I prefer to yeah. to carry uh, because it's, it's simple and it, all I need to do is make calls, but I can't not have my phone with me. Like when I was up in Wheatfield today doing the talk they took my phone off me you couldn't bring the phone into the prison hmm. and it, it, well, and there's somebody else saying hello to me there <laughs> Um <laughs> Gas in it, uh, they took the phone, but it was kind of like being naked, you know, you didn't have your phone, yeah. And I didn't like that feeling too much, but what could you do?
0: And when you feel overwhelmed or just unfocused about the next thing you should be doing, um, how do you deal with that?
1: Just do it, you know, like for example, um. Creating the the um, franchise or the license shops—that's my next big plan. Mm-hmm. So I'll just try and do that. You know, I'll focus my brain on that. I'll give a lot of thought to research into who I want to approach about becoming a mattress mick retailer. Mm. Um, is that the kind of que- is that what you meant in your question?
0: Well, what I meant by the question, um, like I feel like we all get stressed sometimes. We all feel unfocused, and we're not sure. Yeah, we just feel overwhelmed or un- unfocused. And like, how do, you, how do you deal with this stress, I guess, or just overwhelm, I guess? Oh, yeah, sorry. You know I, I mean.
1: misunderstood your question slightly. Well, stress has been part of my life since I was a young man. Mm. Stress doesn't worry me. Like, I, I can deal with stress. Mm. Um, I think some people can't. You know, they just go down. I don't. I will think of a, a way out of the problem. I won't let it get in on me. I won't mm. let it uh, depress me. Mm. But stress has been in my world since my father died because I had so many different things to do uh, to keep things going. And at times, when you're out of your depth in certain areas, which I was when I, when I was a lot younger, it, become, it became stressful for the want of a better word. But I got over it. Now, oh, stress Stress is part of me. I, I actually, I'd probably miss it if I didn't have it.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I probably would. Um, because, as I said, it's been there all the time. Like, you're going to work, uh, something is wrong, delivery didn't arrive, stress. But just get over it. You just move on hmm. to the next stress. Yeah. Or stressor. You know, that's what my th- take on it anyway. I don't worry about it. Really, you don't. That's why I look so young. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, like you feel like stress is always part of your life and yeah. it just doesn't affect you now.
1: No, not at all. Not at all.
0: Yeah, okay. And I suppose you deal with it by going on holidays. Like, would you say that's the case? Well, it helps, yeah, certainly. It helps, you yeah.
1: know, the break away from the routine.
0: Would you still think about work when you're on holidays or yeah. just completely zone out? No, I would think about it. If, yeah. like,
1: I would get phone calls about work. Uh, but I, it's not as intense as when I'm here. Like I do try to relax. I do genuinely try mm. to relax. And I think once I arrive in 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 Marbella or Malaga, just things just change. You know? Yeah, like, you're in a different sunny, warm yeah. climate. You have friends that you like. Uh, you don't have to lock up the building. You know, it's already yeah, yeah, done yeah, at home. Yeah. So I just, I just, a um, chill, a hmm. chill, and it's really good, but. I like to come back too, to it. I wouldn't like it all the time, like I don't know how my friend lives over there without any stress,
0: yeah, it's no stress, so you want that you want that in your life you, I need it, you yeah. like doing this I like it, yeah, yeah,
1: I do. It's a challenge. each stressful mm. situation is a challenge, and that keeps me going, it keeps me motivated, and i also yes, I would miss it, definitely.
0: I like that attitude, like it shows that you you're truly passionate about what you do I which am is, yeah. which is which is great to see.
1: Uh, yeah well thank you um I, I am passionate i love it and i think it's not to me it's not a job it's it's a it's a hobby, a hobby. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's even it's a it's a hobby that gives me a lot of pleasure yeah It's a hobby that uh has me meet a lot of people it's a hobby that um just gives energy i, I don't know if you can understand that like every move i make Every time I go out on the street, there's an energy that Mm. I feel when people recognise me Mm. or I recognise them or we meet. Uh, It's just wonderful, really. And that helps me get over my stressful situations as well. Like, you can go into town, into the city, um, feeling a bit low or a bit tired or whatever. Somebody will come up to you and say, Ah, Jesus, how are you meant to speak? And that gets rid of a lot of the tension. You know, and it could be anybody. It could be... uh, Uh, a a beggar on the street they all know me in town all the beggars and I don't mind or the homeless people or the beggars or whatever word you want to use they all know me Uh, people uh, just the goodwill even in shops the goodwill and even the guard of road checks come on Master Ruth you go ahead (laughs) well I don't drink and drive but they let me through they don't delay me Uh, even today at the prison um, prison warders half of them knew me that's great that's great. I'd be up to you for a mattress, Mickey. You know, that's
0: what they were saying. And I love that. Did you ever think that you'd be I'm um, such a well known figure no. within Ireland? No, never. No,
1: never thought. It wasn't the intention. All I wanted to do was sell mattresses. Yeah. But it has evolved into this brand or this image or this whatever word you want to use. No, I it wasn't part of the plan when we started Mattress Big. And Mattress Mickey is eight years old now. Eight, coming on nine he I mean, he seems to be around around forever, but he's not he's only nine mm-hmm. <coughs> and um no, I never thought it would happen. I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to you. I never think, thought anybody would want to even talk to me uh, you know it just it just wasn't there.
0: no, it's amazing when you when you know when you, when you're doing things that you enjoy like for you selling mattresses, and like you know you clearly enjoyed it, and now you see all the success. You see people recognizing your name like it's amazing i i say I would say like it's such an amazing feeling i I would love to experience it myself, but um
1: well, hopefully someday you will, yes, it is a lovely feeling, yeah, and I won't be- I'm not ashamed to say it, mm. and I feel proud of myself for achieving yeah, it. yeah, after being where I was, and at the age I am I was then I feel good, yes, I do, mm. and I will never take that away from myself. I'm not conceited, I'm not big headed I just feel proud that I can support my family support my kids, support my friends and keep my business ticking over Yeah, that to me is very very important and um, not to be one of these because you're successful you don't want to know people, I want to know more and more people you know I I, I, I want to be friends with the world Mm. if I could be Mm. and um, maybe we we'll see what happens going forward and hopefully it'll work hopefully people will keep liking me and keep uh, say, saying hello to me and keep buying mattresses from me <laughs> which is the important thing and one thing I, I said earlier on I tried to buy Irish made mattresses I try to support Ireland I love Ireland I love Dublin I love the Irish people and um, I just hope and pray that it will continue for another while with a good ending somebody buying me out
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, what are some of the things that you would like other people to know about you but that people don't necessarily know if you know what I mean by the question well I think I'm pretty
1: my life is pretty well known um, like I'm quite open about my failures my successes um, I, 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 I've I, talked about myself as I am doing now so a lot of people know a lot about me yeah Um there's not much left. So I feel really. like there's nothing to hide. Nothing Everything to hide, you ever yeah. wanted to say is I've nothing out there. to be ashamed of. Yeah. You know, um I've nothing to keep under the closet. I've nothing to keep away from people. Um no, I, I've nothing there. and it, it it all goes out and the more I talk to people the more it gets out. And I love it. You know, it just nothing I've nothing to be no, I've no hidden secrets, I've no anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's important to be yourself and just be open and, yeah. you know, have no have no fear of really expressing your truth and who you are because, like, mm. I don't know, people people admire them, um, like, people who are authentic and just themselves, which is definitely what you're doing.
1: Well, most people, most people are normal. Like, yeah. when I say normal, they, they just lead a normal life. And they can relate to me because I'm available. I'm a person. You know, I'm not... If somebody asks me for a selfie, I don't say, ah, no. Take it. Take Mm -hmm. 10 of them if you want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And does your daughter want one? Does your auntie want one? I don't mind. You know, I I never say no. Never. It's not in my vocabulary. Um, It's always yes, 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 yes. And that makes a difference, I think. And no matter how busy I am or whatever, or if I can't do it there and then, give me a minute, I'll be back to you. You know, this is what happens. And I think that makes a difference.
0: And, and what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student who's about to enter the real world?
1: Be very, very definitive about this. I would say to you or anybody, fellow or girl, is if you believe in what you want to do, if you have a drive or an ambition, go for it. Don't be distracted. Don't let your colleagues or your friends, no matter how wacky your idea is, don't let them put you off, just follow your dream, follow your instincts um if you If you do become or feel a bit distracted, think, think about you, John, Paul, Mary, Jane, whatever your name is. What do I want to be? Where do I want to be in ten years' time, and that's where you go. It was like my myself, I knew what I wanted. I had to make a few sacrifices, I had to make a knee of myself. I had to do all different types of things. But eventually it did pay off. And it's very, very important not to be afraid to fail. You may fail, but you're not a failure. So get up again and go if it doesn't happen the first time.
0: And this is the final question for you, Mick. Um, If you could display a message, and this may be a paragraph, a sentence, a quote, whatever, on a big giant billboard, everybody in the world could see this message. What would that message be?
1: Believe in yourself. Just those three words: believe in yourself and don't be afraid to fail. Definitely, don't be afraid to fail, and try and try again. But believe in yourself and don't be afraid to fail. David, the the words I would put up.
0: I love that answer. Thank you. And before we finish up, is there anything you'd like to promote? Me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if anybody listening to this uh, podcast needs a new mattress or needs some advice as to what mattress to buy. I can be contacted at any of my stores or to any of my stores and they're in Kulak, Pier Street, Nice Road and Drada. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Mick. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would be pretty cool if you shared it with your friends or anyone else who you think would benefit from it. You can find all the show notes by going to the website ChasingPassion.e That is ChasingPassion.e Thank you for listening today and I hope you enjoyed the episode.